Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. Hello, Mike. Just kidding. Mike's not here today. This is my first podcast without Mike. He bailed on me. I'm already having technical difficulties. No, he didn't bail on me, actually. he um, He's going to be interviewed for a documentary about the Slender Man case because he runs the website slenderchance.com, I believe, that uh, is in support of Morgan Geyser, one of the one of the young girls who committed the crime because she was uh, undiagnosed schizophrenic. So it's there's a website he created to help out the family and bring about you know awareness about mental illness in children and stuff like that. So anyway, he's being interviewed for a documentary about that. So I'm here on my own today. It feels weird because I don't have Mike to fall back on. So if I sound weird, I apologize, but you know, it's a new thing. It's kind of fun. I always like challenges. So, but it won't be a challenge today because I have the most amazing artist I'm interviewing and uh, she's really one of my favorite artists in the whole scene right now. And she does incredible doll work and sculpture and assemblage art and poetry. And she's just amazing. And a really snappy dresser let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> so uh i would like to introduce you all to stephanie vega hey hey thank you welcome. hey how are you <laughs> i'm good i'm good <laughs> welcome to the show hey, an introduction yeah. wow. hey your stuff's amazing incredible every time i see it i'm blown away thank you for having me on y- yes it's my pleasure so the, if you're not familiar with Stephanie's work, it's it's like she, she, she starts with, uh, I don't know, you kind of use dolls as your base, really, right? Yeah, I mean, at first I was kind of considered a doll artist, but mm-hmm. I think it's best to see my work as created using dolls. Because right. I use dolls, I don't make dolls. Right, right. Um, and I, I have to say, I think it's really kind of almost... Uh, both a compliment and strange to me that I would be even considered a dark artist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, what is a dark artist? Really? Well, that's the thing. Most of us, you know, most of us, we're not dark people. You know, it's like we're not evil. We're nice people. <laughs> so, uh, so I guess maybe that's what it would be perceived as, as evil. I don't know. Right. Yeah. But it's not. Uh, but that, well, that's the whole point of this dark art society. This whole movement is we're trying to raise awareness of. The fact Shed light. That, yeah, exactly. That it's yeah. not an evil it's thing. darkness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I, I was reading up on um, doing some research on your work, and uh, I saw you. You said a lot of cool things about you know representing your shadow side through the artwork, oh. and that's what well, dark art dark art is all about, as far as I'm concerned. You know, or a really big part of it. It's a healthy way of accepting well, that part know, of ourselves. Yeah, as, as artists, we have this amazing and tremendous responsibility, I think, mm-hmm. that we are able to give the voice 
to things that others may not be able to express. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a certain artists resonate with certain people and because it, it just brings something out that they can really feel, you know, that they really know firsthand. Right. And um, I think my, well, let me little, give you a little background. So yeah. basically all of this started about 10 years ago. And um, I met, I met my husband and we've been together and all that, but my mother passed away. Mm. And during the time this morning, I had an opportunity to go through some of her uh, uh, belongings. And I came across a doll that was hers and her mother's. And when I was a little kid, I was able to play with it. It was a porcelain composite doll. And I was still mourning her and I was kind of really sitting along with the doll and I realized that this doll was his totem, right. you know, totem for all of our dreams, all three generations of dreams and um, our belief systems and our fears. And, and we mm-hmm. project onto this little effigy. And, um, and I thought, well, you know, as we grow and we move on and we process things ourselves, we, we leave our dolls behind, you know? And I, and I thought, well, where does that energy go? You know? Mm-hmm. And I thought, a dolls as the keeper of secrets, the dolls as the caretakers of burdens, you know? Right. Instead of pulling that doll apart, I started looking for old dolls. And I found quite a few old dolls and I waited for them to tell me what they wanted to, what they wanted to say. And of course they were all related to what I was going through. Right. <laughs> of course. So, um, and you know, I had all this little voice. We're, we're a dog friendly podcast. Believe me. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, I started telling the tales through the doll's point of view of what I had been going through, what I, there's some universal concepts of fairy tales, folklore, and right. thought. And most of it is all, all of our dark, you know, our dark, un, uncharted areas of right. us that um, really need to be healed. You know, they really need healing through, um, through therapy. So, so my work became my therapy. Wow. And, uh, of course, everything that I had been, or those very close to me, had been going through, I would have the dolls tell the story. And I found that I would, people would see them and be really, really put back. Like, they just saw something familiar that they recognized, which was a doll. Mm-hmm. But the way it looked was just too much. So I, I asked, you know, well, what is it? What Are you frightened? Uh, and they're like, well, most of the most, this was the general consensus was that it was stuff they weren't ready to look at. Uh. So I thought, wow, that's kind of a compliment yeah. because, <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it, it's, it's provocative, you know, right. it provokes our thoughts and, and it makes you think. I mean, yeah. I, nothing worse than art that doesn't make you think. I mean, I, I think you have to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when people have that reaction, you, you know, you're doing something right. I think. Yeah. Have to, we have to risk, you know, offending someone from the right. So, um, so I realized that maybe I am not, I'm doing a disservice maybe by not expressing it 
So I started writing poetry. Mm. And I started to explain. Oh, that's interesting. Poetry. Right. I found a really, I found the art became much more approachable. It would stand there longer. What a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't want to preach either. Mm -hmm. Because in some ways, you know, historically fable and fairy tales always are imbued with a with a tale with a with a, a moral right. you know but you know who am i to you know stand up there and give moral tales <laughs> it's like you know you can take it or leave it or you know right take what you want and you know i, ma- I imagine you also do- run the risk of saying too much also, you know, like tell, giving too much away in a way, you know, because part of the art experience is, is the person kind of putting their own feeling into it, you know? Right. Well, I had been told that by a few gallery people. And uh, I still think there's a mystery in your poetry, though. I don't think it just spells it all out. I think it's great. I think it's a great balance. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That because it, it is painstaking. I I do spend a lot of time, as much time, um, creating the piece as I do with poetry. Sometimes it, it just flows and it right. just comes. But I really, really have to get that that uh, like it comes from somewhere else. It, it just comes from me. It's always it always towards me when I'm done with it. It didn't bother me. I'm right, mad. I know. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah, it's it's like this. Yeah, it's, it's totally like weird. a strict dictation, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah. So and I and in my work, I don't know if you have noticed, but there are some reoccurring themes oh, because yeah. they are universal themes of, of of our fragile human condition. I mean, it's what. It's what we all go through, and and one of them is it is it, it comes up a lot is about giving away too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Skip away either in a relationship, in um, work situation, in um, love situation, mm-hmm. or in art situation. I mean, we're yeah. always giving, 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 and there are the ones that are willing to take it. Oh yeah. There's givers and there's takers <laughs> in this world. Right. And the so, takers always find the givers somehow. And, and, but there is a beauty in that too. Mm-hmm. There's a beauty in the wounding. Right. In the wounding, we learn. Yeah. And hopefully we learn. Right. It takes many times for some and, yep. and some less for others, but it, there is a, a lesson in that, that wounding. And, and that is something that I think as someone who really goes through that, it's so important and a responsibility to remind people that through this, there is a lesson. Right. Don't want to hear it when they're in it. <laughs> Fuck you, you know, <laughs> that. but, um, you know, I remember as a child and all in my twenties and thirties that every once in a while I would hear something that I didn't really want to hear, but it planted a seed in me. I never forgot it. Right. So it's those kind of things as an older person now that I feel like I have the responsibility to, yeah. to, well, to share, you know. Right. And, and heal through your art. And I, I, you know, I think that that's, in my opinion, that is really what dark art is all about. And that's, you know, another reason why I consider your work dark art, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, um, 
you know, the dark part is not necessarily evil, but mystery and, you know, uh, something beneath the surface, something that's obscured that you can't quite see, you know, and, you know, fear happens to be in there, but also uh, a potential to learn something new as well. And, and so I think, I think your, your work is dark art in the best sense of the term. And really the way you kind of describe your art is the way that, you know, I think we should view the whole dark art scene, the best of that exactly. work. I, I think so too. And thank you for including me in it. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you included yourself in it by making the artwork. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. It's kind of like, I feel like I found a tribe. Exactly. That was the idea is cause you know, so much, so many of us were just kind of out there on our own going, you know, I'm, I'm compelled to make this work and I'm a good person. I'm not a bad person. I'm a good person, but I'm compelled to make this dark work and people don't seem to under- a choice. That's one thing I, I really have discovered in, in the whole you know, art life experience because I didn't go to art school. Right, I've always been an artist. Mm-hmm. It would come out in the most, you know, the strangest ways when, you know, I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it just has a way of coming out and there is no not doing it. Right. There, is no not, there just is no not doing it. So when I hear sometimes, you know, oh, you should do this, and oh, you should, that's great, but you should do this, you can make, you know, right. money from this, and if it doesn't ring true for me, mm-hmm. if I feel like it becomes a chore, mm-hmm. and I'm doing what is being told to me from a higher place, I'm not doing it right. Right. <laughs> I don't care how much money I can make doing it, if it's not... Authentic. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that's why I'm not known. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, the thing, the thing. I mean, we were talking about this before uh, we started recording, and I and I had to tell um, Stephanie to stop talking because it was too good, and I wanted to save it for the show. But I was just noting that I don't know why she is not uh, more of like a one of the top artists in the field because the work is as good as as a Chris Cooksey or and unique and original or any of these top kind of dark sculptors out there. And so we were started talking about, um, you know, it's a, it's really about promotion and getting the work out there. It's, you know, I, it's, it's, I always say it's 50, 50 ball game, you know, and that's, that's why I was forced to learn marketing and all this stuff that I had no interest in interest in because I had to, you know, bring money in. So it was like part of the thing, I knew that if I could make this happen, I would be able to keep painting. And that's all I care about is just to keep painting and sculpting and making art. So that's why I was willing to do it. That's the only reason I was willing to do it because it's not my thing. But I mean, I, I, but I kind of, it is my thing now. I've learned how to do it. And it's like, once you learn these basic things about it, you can kind of be creative with it and sort of have fun with it. So we'll, we'll have to talk. We'll have to talk yeah. off the air because you've got, I mean, the heart, the hard part is done. You know, your work, the work speaks for itself. It's like you have a product that, that, you know, I could easily see your stuff getting on, you know, Boing Boing or Bored Panda or one of these, you know, those things, little videos that go viral easily. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it's just, yeah, I mean, I, I just keep, there's, I, I have so many things that are in the makes and um, that need to be made. And, uh, you know, 
they just have to be made and put out there. Yeah. <laughs> that I wanted to mention too. The I, mean, I have no more wall space. <laughs> yeah, I, bet, I, bet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to mention as well the uh, the piece you did for the last conjoined show. What was the title of that piece? That one was. Um, you're talking about the, the leg. Oh, the leg. Yeah, the pathetic <laughs> leg. The ghost story. That was amazing. That, that's a masterpiece. Thank you. It's a that masterpiece. Was the biggest piece I had ever made. My friend Liz Lopez. Oh went yeah. Went for dinner, and she gave me a prosthetic leg. She just had a few laying around. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so she gave me one, and it sat here in my studio for a while, and I kind of didn't know what I wanted to make with it. And uh, I was inspired by um, Scott Hove. Uh-huh. Scott Hove made, um, did a show, and he had one of her prosthetic legs, and he made this, you know, just this killer freaking leg with knives on it and, right. and you know the teeth in the front the way he does and i thought to myself well i have a leg sitting in my studio <laughs> what do you want to be right and i said i really i really threw myself into what it would be like the process of whatever the experience of was of losing the leg right and then finding a replacement and what i would feel what you would possibly feel by losing something that large, something right. that's a big part of yourself. And um, what came to me was the ghost story because I've heard so much about phantom limbs. Right. That they lose limbs, they still feel them, they still it will get an itch, they'll feel yeah. like they walk on it, whatever. And uh, I started working on it. Um, Little by little, I mean, it took me a while because I had to get the right thing. I used a lot of textile, I used a lot of vintage lace, right? And, um, a lot of small doll heads, and uh, and the poem was about if we perceive loss as a gift, then we can heal, right? Because if we don't, then we're the victim, right? Uh, then we sit in then we sit and we lose the the opportunity to learn something exactly thing in this i mean we're only here for what 100 years if we're lucky on this planet in this life in this body right this thing doing story yeah that you know there's got to be i the way i see it is there has got to be Something greater to learn. Always something greater to learn. Something how to be bigger than we were before. How we can share what we've learned. How we can heal others in that process. Right. Not for accolades, but just for, because we are. Right. And and um, yeah, and that was a big spiritual journey for me. That like, so thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, it's a so beautiful too. It's so cool. <laughs> It's back in my house. <laughs> I know. I can't believe that's what I I'm saying. <laughs> I can't believe that thing didn't sell. It's amazing. It's so beautiful. And, it, and what I also like about it and what I like about just, you know, all of your work and, you know, using the kind of dark art uh, presentation, not that it's intentional. Like you said, we're all just doing our thing. It just happens to fit in this little category that we are kind of trying to define. But um, 
it's taking something that's so that normally if you saw just this prosthetic leg, most people would kind of get creeped out and think it's weird and not want to think about it. And uh, it's awful, but you've turned it into this beautiful, beautiful thing. And that in itself is almost like what you're saying, the intention uh, behind the story, the poem, the healing, the taking something and um, using it to better yourself instead of, become the victim and suffer more and suffer more, you know, I think also even in the Gothic community, there is a a romanticizing the suffering is, um, I mean, there's a beauty in the melancholy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. We are so wrapped in it. There is that very almost like, like heroin it's just so tragic and so delicious right and poetic Uh, and poetic right but uh, but you can't stay there no (laughs) no i just can't do it (laughs) so um i try to i try not to dwell there too long move into a higher brighter place well that that's kind of what i feel like the the artwork i mean I, I hate to keep bringing it back to dark art but it keeps coming up so i'm gonna <laughs> no, just, i'm just going with it but that's what um i think that dark art at its essence is transmutation of something that you would think would be bad into something good it's like turning it's like alchemy it's like turning the dark matter into gold you know into spiritual gold and, and that's an amazing thing to be able to take and something. What does that check? Our perception. Right, right, exactly. Our perception does that. Yep. Because it did not change. Right, right. But maybe see it. I learned this from. <laughs> I learned this from thought. <laughs> no, <laughs> I. Uh, I was really sick for a while and I had taken medication that made me sick. And I started taking. Um, I started smoking pot. Mm-hmm. I smoked pot when I was a kid, but I didn't smoke it when I got older because I just, whatever reasons. Anyway, I realized it didn't take the pain away like everyone said it would. It just changed my perception of pain. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I really, I just started analyzing the pain and I didn't feel it the same way. Wow. That's interesting. So it was just, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd share that. Well, that, that is, you know, that is kind of perception yeah exactly that is, yeah yeah and it's 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 such a trippy thing to to it's like <clears throat> i guess the you know conceptual artists are kind of doing that sort of thing in a way like they're trying to just change the context of an ordinary object but um i think with what you know what you're doing what you did with that prosthetic leg is really the dog outside. Oh, okay <laughs> Like I said, we're a dog-friendly podcast, so barks are welcome here. I always get bark dogs barking in the background. Dogs are good. What was I saying now? Uh, God, I completely, I spaced it. Maybe it wasn't a, a good point. <laughs> if you, I, I, I do this all the time on the podcast. Mike is my memory. Oh, no. It functions as my memory because I have none. But, um, yeah, I don't remember what I was going to say. But anyway, <laughs> the, oh, I know what I was going to say. The uh, conceptual artists kind of 
will take i'm not you know there's some there's some good conceptual art i mean i've seen some stuff that i thought was really cool but um a lot of it i just think is not great but a lot of times the conceptual artist will take an object and recontextualize it and that's the art so they'll just take like a conceptual artist would take the prosthetic leg and just hang it on the wall and that would be it but i think that by putting these this adornment on it and writing your poem it it allows easier access to what you're trying to say you know what right. i mean instead of just hanging it on the wall right it's well, I, found, I found like with it like i said when i really dove into oh this is my leg now i have no left leg this how would i wear this Mm -hmm. That was another big thing, you know, you know, in my outfits. Right. <laughs> so, and it was this idea of a ballerina, because, I mean, if you think of a one-legged ballerina, I mean, you can't do much except maybe spin, right? right? So um, I thought if I had this second leg, uh, how I would move in the world, and, and ballerina came to me. Right. That's so, so amazing. Perfect. I'm telling you, it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. It's brilliant, brilliant, incredible. You know, uh, you know what I like also about your work is the uh, the cages. Sometimes they're in. Sometimes you put them in cages. That's so deep to me. And I was reading about. I tell you why I put them in cages. Okay, yeah. Were you going to say something? No, I was reading. I think in an in an interview about your. Uh, thoughts about the cages but you know you should explain it to the, the audience well it, it came up with um i had been integrating um bird energy uh there for a while into my into my dolls and uh i gave them a, for a while all my dolls had bird feet right and when i was a child i believed that I could heal birds, dead birds. Mm. I grew up in Brooklyn and, you know, the birds would fall down on the concrete. I thought I could raise them from the dead, the Lazarus dead, but it didn't work. <laughs> but anyway, it, it, it always stayed with me and I, I loved them. I loved the birds. I've always had birds. And I thought, oh, you know, let's put the bird energy into, in, into the dolls. And again, the reaction was horrific people hated them and i, and I was like oh, i think it's so the, the bird feet is so cool it's amazing yeah it brought, brought me back to like russian fairy tales um anyway uh, <laughs> so they were like well you know they can get out they can get around the house i would never have that in my house and so i thought okay I can put them in a cage and they can keep them and they won't get out. And then, and that's kind of how it starts, but it, it keeps it contained. Right. It keeps the energy contained. And I, and I also did cabinets mm -hmm. uh, so that people could close them when they weren't ready right. to do them and then they could open them and read the poetry and all that other stuff. But um, the, and that also came from the barbed wire. I loved with the idea of barbed wire, um, but I I didn't want to just do barbed wire. And I didn't want to just do um, thorn uh, rose thorns because you can't you know manipulate them without breaking. So I came up with this idea of wrapping wire with 
leather strips that had cut tacks in them. Mm-hmm. That's how I made the, the barbed wire. So that's kind of this little backstory on my pages. Yeah, but that's yeah. cool. That, I, I also think the uh, the thing I think of as well is with the even the barbed wire, any anything enclosing a piece where the the central figure is a being of some kind. It's like it kind of represents the physical body in a way too, and mm-hmm. and the and the doll is sort of like the soul. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that idea of being kind of trapped or having that feeling of being trapped in this body when you're actually it's this spirit being. You know what I mean. Right. I mean, there was a, a lot of that. A lot of my work deals with my own personal existential crisis, my mortality. <laughs> yep. I'm dealing with, you know, however much time I have left, yep. how much I've done, what I've learned. And then, and then to see someone else or someone I love going through something similar, it's like, oh my God, I, mean, I can't say anything. Right. <laughs> so I put it into. Uh, yeah, I mean, so. so uh, yeah. Art is the, you know. Yeah, the cage. I haven't worked a lot. Oh, so anyway, so let me tell you a little. So the beginnings of my work of the dolls, and, and they were they were all they were all kind of very. You know, caretakers of burden, um, dressed certain ways, and and then I went through most recently wanting to have everything one color, the mm-hmm. monochromatic look, and I realized um, I had gone on medication, like I told you, and I came out the other side healed. So now I see that the work has changed. The work is not what it used to be, and it's just what it wants to be. Right. How did, how has it changed? Um, well, physically, it's different. Um, it's more, like I say, it's more monochromatic. Uh, it's more statuesque. It's mm. less interactive. Um, and I realized that maybe part of it might be my own mourning mm. of a self that I was. It's right. Like, processing that um i know that the work is always the byproduct of me yeah what i'm going through the work i have something to show for what i'm going through but i'm the one that's really the work right right the art is just you know something that happens while i'm going through this right yeah so it's the result of not keeping it not keeping it inside, you know. Yeah, like I said earlier, there's no not doing it. Right. <laughs> oh, there's no um yeah, there's no I have no options here. I have to do it. And um and again, what comes up for me is, you know, that responsibility of of being able to give voice to something that I know if I'm going through it, someone else is going through it too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. I, I love how you say that you, you wait for the piece to tell you what it wants to be, because I always feel like that with my creatures that I paint. Yes. It's like they're telling me what they want to be yes. like they want to they want to become alive in this world in some way. And so they're like telling me how to do it. It's, right. such, a, it's such a weird, mystical thing. It's really cool. I just love it. It is. A, it is a very mystical thing. And it, it's very it's otherworldly. Mm-hmm. And I've really learned to honor it because mm-hmm. um, 
like I might start something that I think, you know, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to, I always have a great idea for something. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't just come out of the ethos. Mm. If I let it, once I get it started, once I, if I let it take its wings, then it always comes out better than I ever thought. Oh, yeah. Be when it's come to completion. Absolutely. Because, you know, as artists, we work alone. Mm-hmm. Most time i mean sometimes we collaborate but most of the times we work alone so there's so much energy thought and feelings and 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 thoughts and dreams and fears and Mm -hmm. you know that come up around those hours with this thing with this thing that you're doing and um yeah i yeah i don't know i just lost my (laughs) (laughs) well you you really uh form a relationship with this object that you're creating too. That's what I notice is that, mm. you know, it feels like I build a relationship with this thing with each, each piece of art. And it's kind of like me and that artwork are the only things that have that relationship. Like no one will ever have the same relationship with the painting or the sculpture that I do because I know every little inch of it. I know what I was thinking when I was making it. I know when that weird idea came out of nowhere. And it's like, you have a special relationship with the artwork that no one else can ever have, you know, like with your kid, you know? Yes. I found that when I was first starting my, my work and first starting my career, it was really hard for me to let everything go. Mm. Cause I, I did have, people interested in purchasing pieces and I sold quite a few pieces, but those first few pieces were like my blood child, you right. know, like that was, that was born of, of pain and blood and I'm <laughs> that away, you know? Right. Um, but then, you know, things change and you realize that the, they have to be out in the world. They have to go into the world. Right. And you want, and, and, and you, there's you a, want to. yeah, exactly. It's part of the process. And, um, you know, it's not about hoarding your art. It's about, it's about, holding it's it. about sharing it. Right. You know, yeah. and, and that's kind of like the final, I, that's the way I always see it is even if it, a piece doesn't sell, if you show it and share it, that's the final step in the art creating process to me. You're absolutely right. The, the, the final part is the unattachment, mm-hmm. the ability to be to release the attachment to it. Right. And, uh, and that, like I said, when I first started, I didn't understand that. Right. And I, I did. And I learned it firsthand. Yep. And, and, and everything. I mean, I had talked to people and asked a lot of questions about things but most of everything i've learned in the art world is tried and error yeah error. i had no i i didn't even know that there was something that could retard uh the drying process of paint right. you know who knew that <laughs> well, <laughs> what, when did you when did you start creating these works or and and also when did you start creating art? Were you like an art kid, and like most of us started doodling around? But I did not go to art school. Uh, my parents didn't think that that was good for me. Um, you know, I was told, you know, get, get real. You know, right. <laughs> you make money doing that. I, I grew up, you know, in the sixties. 
70s. My parents were very careful and very um, strict. And I was a lot for them to handle. And, um, you know, I, I ran away from home and left when I was 16. And that was the end of that. But I mean, all that aside, I, I knew that there was something greater for me out there. Mm-hmm. And, um their way just wasn't my way. Right. But um, I'd always been creative in anything. I mean, if there wasn't a way to, um, you know, if there was a way to do something that somebody was telling me, I would find a way to do it that resonated with me. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes that would be applauded and sometimes most <laughs> It's not, but, you know, so you learn to be sneaky and you learn to be creative and you learn to figure out ways that work for you. And that was, you know, my life, but, um, you know, I mean, it wasn't really until I was able to slow down by getting sick that I was able to work. I oh, mean, really? do the work. And like I say, that's when it became therapy. It was therapy for me because um, I met my husband and we, you know, we're actually going to be married next year, 10 years. Yeah. He's awesome. He's such a cool dude. You guys both look so, so snazzy at the shows. (laughs) You guys are always dressed to the nines. Yeah. So so we're actually, because we got married, um, uh, we got married in a little place in, in Maine 10 years ago because his family lives there. And uh, we never really had a wedding. So we're having a wedding next year. So I'll oh, send cool. I You know, I did invite you to my house. I have these dinner parties. I know, I know. I just, uh, you know, I was knee deep in deadlines. I just always something, I know. But anyway, the dinner parties will always uh, yield some sort of, I try to have some kind of a theme so we can all discuss mm-hmm. and get, um, you know, a deeper understanding of each other and what's going on. And through one of these dinner parties, a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours was there elaborating on and on about how pain was relative, but his pain <laughs> was beyond anything. This anyone is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> sitting there we're all sitting there listening to him pontificate his <laughs> diatribe of, of this this pain and i came up with a fabulous poem about the ratio of pain <laughs> and how as artists it's our true it's our true responsibility to take whatever it is that is so dramatic about our pain and put it out there so that someone who doesn't complain read it and say, ah, I feel that pain. Right. Right. You know. So there's always inspiration. Inspiration all around us. Oh, yeah. 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 The inspiration (laughs) never stops. How could it? Yeah. (laughs) Reality is so weird. I was talking to uh, this artist, Brian Maines. He's a really great painter. It turns out he lived, I found out he lived right around, he's amazing painter. He lives right around the corner from me in Monrovia, of all places. Wow. Yeah, so um, met him through Greg Escalante, uh-huh. uh, which was you know Greg was such so cool about um, connecting artists. He was all about that, you know. Such, such a shame that uh, 
what happened to him. But um, I was just telling him at one point, I was just saying, life is so weird. Reality is so weird. Even on the most mundane level, it's so bizarre when you stop and think about, I just look at my desk here interviewing you and it's so weird. <laughs> I just feel like. Come on, elaborate. What do you mean? Well, it's like the idea that I am this. It's like my body is this machine, and there's a consciousness in there that's nice. observing things. And it's and it's. I feel like I'm in a a spacesuit that's made to exist on this planet. Right. And this is my spacesuit. And it's just so bizarre. And every little thing is bizarre to me. It's so, you just take everything where, you know, we're used to life as, you know, this kind of mundane thing. And, but it's, it's, it's miraculous on every level. It is level. absolutely miraculous. You took that right out of my mouth. Yeah. It's just, that's exactly how, um, I think you, we need to remember. Right. Well, uh, it helps us to remember that. I think. I, I agree. You know, yeah. That we are in, there is magic in the mundane. Exactly. Everything yeah. is magic. And if you stop and slow down a little bit, just take the, the opportunity to look around us and see the, the creative possibility. Mm -hmm. uh, it, really, it really is astounding because life will find a way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just like art will find a way through us right it needs to be made whether right. you wake up at two in the morning it's stunned because you just had this you know vision of something or it creeps to you into you while you're doing your laundry I yeah mean, it's the same it's the <laughs> yeah. same impulse as life itself like you're saying life will always find a way and art will always find a way through us it's the same thing it's that creative force that's always working in everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let me ask you this. Then sure. when you weren't painting, were you miserable? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I was, uh, you know, I, I got into the makeup effects business right out of high school. So, like, huh. I started working around 86. And I was just a kid, you know, and I'd been totally into it. Loved makeup effects because that um, I just loved every discipline of it because it was sculpting, it was making molds and casting, and I love all that technical stuff. I'm really into tech, technical stuff like that, and um, painting the the monster head and finishing it, making it look really real. So I was really really into it, and then I got in the business and um, just you know it's a commercial art business essentially. So there was a lot of issues that would never change about that business. So it really kind of, um, what's that? It was a grind. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, after I hit, hit a certain level, as far as where I was at in the business career wise, I didn't feel like there was anywhere more for me to go. And at that point I just felt like I was doing it for the paycheck and, and I didn't get into it for the paycheck. I got into it because I wanted to create art. So, um, when I started showing that I started showing at cannibal flower, yeah. And, you know, and for a year, I kind of wasn't really selling and I didn't really have a thing. And then I kind of came across uh, the monster portrait style and then those started selling. And as soon as things started selling, I was like, oh, my God, I can do this. I can do this as a living. And then my job got really miserable because every day 
I, I mean, it took me like seven, sure. seven years before I was able to trans transition out of the business. Yeah. So for a good part of seven years, I was just, you know, almost in tears at work because I knew like what I wanted to do. I knew my thing and I wanted you to do it. The door. Oh you yeah. That cannot that be, can't close it. You cannot be closed ever again. <laughs> and I close it. So I was just like, I got, so then that, but that just made me fueled me to, to make it happen. And so that's why I learned all this marketing and did every show I was asked to do because I was like, I have to get out and do this thing because I got a taste of it and it's amazing, you know? And so it kind of, I used it instead of just being depressed about it. I, I used it as a, a, a reason to really push my artwork and, and motivating tool. yeah, exactly. So it was rough though. Whew, it was a rough few years. I used to cry sometimes driving home, <laughs> like I'd be stuck in traffic and I'd just be crying in rage because it's like, oh, I felt like I was just wasting my time. It was so terrible. Right. But How much more time do I have in this spacesuit? I, <laughs> I know, my spacesuit's falling apart. <laughs> so when did you start creating these, these uh, works? Like, well, about 10 years ago. 10 years? Okay. Uh, yeah, so about around 10, the same time you, you got 12 married? 12 years ago when I met my husband. Um, significant. Yeah, he was, he was, I have to say, he is my rock. Right. Saw me in a way that I don't think anybody else saw me. Right. Um, and he, even though I was, you know, working, I used to work in corporate, I believe it or not. I wow. used to, <laughs> I used to be an educator and a um, an esthetician of skincare. Oh wow! And even though I was working and all, he would encourage me to do my art. That's so great. That's you. What are you doing? Why? Yeah. Why don't you do this? Why don't you? You know what? Why are you leaving that? Why aren't you doing this? And it was like, okay, yeah, right. Why That's, am I? Yeah, if you love someone, if so I went part time. Oh, okay. I was working part time, and I started creating um, out of believe it or not um, palm fronds that I used. We sold in Venice um, palm fronds that I would find in the street, mm. and I take home and I paint them and I make these elaborate um, like creatures, like trying uh, cool. very tribal looking things, and then I started constructing them. And making more three-dimensional, like, almost huge puppets. Oh, as, cool. And I have them in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but they have, they have stood the test of time. That's one thing I will say about my work. It's, it travels well, okay. and it will hold up. But they ain't falling apart. No. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, those those older pieces, when you you know when you finally hit the, the big time where you belong, those older <laughs> pieces are going to be priceless. They're going to be the beginnings of it all for you. Small real theme, <laughs> and and huge and huge. Right. Um, and uh, and then my mother passed away, and then the whole doll thing happened. Wow. Interesting. It, it kind of went from there. But it did come from that idea of dolls as um, these vessels. Yeah, I just thought when I was reading your interview, I was like, you, you, you called them totems. I was like, that is amazing. It's so yeah. amazing. And effigies, you know, it's like really... Uh, that's another thing that why I think your work is so great. It's not just great um, 
just on a visual level, if you don't know anything about anything, you can look at it and really appreciate it for this um, aesthetically being aesthetically beautiful. But the concept behind it is so strong. That's why that's what makes it like, uh, you know, masterworks, I think, is because you've got the whole package. You know, it's a really strong, great concept. Well, I, one thing I, I really do have to say over the years of trial and error, I feel like I ha- I put everything I know how to do mm. into every piece that I do. You've got um, carving, mm-hmm. carved wood. I love to carve wood, and I never knew I did, but I love it. Um, painting, you know, the porcelain, taking things apart, putting them back together, and then, you know, telling the story and in a structural way that, you know, when you, when you spend the money on the piece and you bring it home and you have to travel a little bit and maybe you might move again, but the piece is not going to fall apart. Right. It's, it's there. Yeah. It yeah. That's important That's, with assembly like, work. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly do take pride in, in that. Part. Yeah. It's important. It's a big part of it. It's, you know, it's a lot easier to put something together that's not built to last than it is to, it's a whole extra step you have to take to make sure that it's strong. It's like an added little thing you have to do to everything. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we're working on that. So I just finished a piece for, uh, Chris Velasco's show, the, uh, oh. roadside attractions finished yep. on May 12th at Copra. Yep. I'm going to be and on that too. I, staying in the theme of shoes and feet i made uh i I thought about it i was like at a roadside attraction you know carnival dark carnival stuff and i was always always intrigued by all of everyone all right, sorry about that. No I have to, um, oh, uh, you know, every woman, uh, their shoes. We never have enough shoes. Right. And as fabulous as the shoes look, you know they have to hurt as equal. <laughs> so um, I made a, a, uh, a piece called Killer Shoes. <laughs> and the shoes are, um, they have spikes. They have spiked heels, but they have spikes inside them. And oh, they have two sirens sitting on the, on the toes of them. And, uh, and it's called uh, the torture in every step, you know. So it, it's a very carnival-y look. Right. And the stripes are like blood. And, uh, oh, cool. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I, I definitely I did um, a lot of carnival-type stuff uh and then i stopped doing that and the work wanted to go somewhere else so, mm-hmm. so you got, yeah, it, got so, it in your blood uh, yep <laughs> so yeah where, where do you uh how do you you know just on a technical note where do you source your materials from um well there's always ebay mm. there's the um thrift shops um, I, there's a couple of, um, outdoor markets here in the Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, when I lived in Venice, I had people dropping things on my doorstep. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and doll heads and doll feet and, and animals, um, dead animals. Right. I had taken a few. That's one thing I didn't, wasn't just trial and error. I did take a couple of taxidermy classes and. That was okay, but I it wasn't something that I wanted to really 
continue. Yeah, because you do. You put some taxidermy in your work oh, yeah. and bones and stuff. That's something I didn't mention too. But that I, I like the uh, I like that it's not just taxidermy. It's like just an element of your work. You know. Right. Right. I uh, I enjoyed doing that because I felt that it was important to see something that was recognizable and then to give it a twist, an unexpected twist. It, it forces the viewer to kind of check out why they're reacting. Mm-hmm. They're reacting to, and is it disturbing to them? Or is it appealing to them? So it, it forces them to think more about who they are. Right. And appeals to the wild in nature, I think, um, mortality you know yeah and bone and bones are just cool looking i mean they're so amazing they're so amazing i i i, I saw i think it might be a newer piece that you had where you put this yeah the jawbone yeah and it looks so cool it, when i first saw it i thought they looked almost like little arms and the teeth looked like little fingers yeah <laughs> so i, I cool absolutely looking. love mixing bone and porcelain together yeah. Because the, the textures together, the way they take paint, the way you can age them, right. um, they're very similar. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, actually, our teeth are porcelain, right? So right. porcelain and bone seem to be an organic; they complement each other. But those pieces that you're talking about were um, of a series I did last year. I, my husband and I. Um, we worked on a piece together. He did the lighting. Mm. It's one of the lights in my dining area. Um, I, I did the head with the, with the, um, I, it's actually a, a pelvis of a coyote over oh, wow. one head. And then on the sides are, um, these two lanterns that come down. Oh, cool. The area. Yeah. Sounds but amazing. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, another thing I really like too, and I think it's, important to your, to, uh, the success of your work is the, uh, the way you finish the figures, the way you paint the faces and stuff, Mm. you know, it's not, you see a lot of assemblage stuff that is, they just take it and they put stuff together and there's not a lot of additional finishing and painting, but you always put these really cool, creepy kind of realistic paint jobs on them. Like you're glazing colors around the eyes. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I really enjoy doing that with um, layers. It's mm-hmm. all layers and layers and layers of many, many different colors. Right. Yeah. I like can tell. it's not white. It's a little bit of blue. It's a little right. bit of, a little bit of yellow. It's, you know, and, and it's just layers and layers. And that is just something that I kind of, I did some research on, you know, YouTube and mm-hmm. played around with different things. But um, I feel that, you know, the doll has, even if it has more of a statuesque type of a, um, a look to it, I still want to give it the feeling of it having been alive at some point. Right. You know, like I'm working on a piece right now that I call The Hounds of Winter. And it's it's basically my mortality. I'm starting to feel old these mm. days, and I feel like the hounds—they're kind of catching up. Right. <laughs> and I I wanted to kind of have this old-fashioned doll having this look of like frostbite because she's out in the cold, and uh, it's getting older, and it's oh, getting cool. Eventually, yeah. hounds are going to be you know 
on a, they're on her heels. Right. <laughs> uh, and I've been working with frostbite and the look of frostbite. Oh, interesting. On porcelain, it's not, um, it's, it's really forces you to be really creative because you have a porcelain, you're not setting a mold. You're mm. painting on it. So what can you put on it and peel it off and, and be able to seal it back? Right. So I, because her skin is peeling, you know, it's, she's frosted. So then you have the painting and then you put the black on and then you can't have it full black because that's not the way it looks. It has that weird kind of milky right. thing that happens on top of that because it's skin, <laughs> you know, that's decaying. So <laughs> I love doing that. And I love also working with, um, um, cheesecloth. Oh, cheese, cheesecloth is great. Yeah. Cheesecloth on porcelain is fabulous because you have the, the skin underneath the porcelain skin and then you can peel it back. And it so reminded me again of childhood when I would fall on the concrete and my jeans would like, I'd have to pull my jeans away from, you know, and uh, the cut knee. Uh, <laughs> so right, I, right. I evoke that feeling of pain you know like oh let's pull out the jeans out of the, the open wound or peeling the scab too is yeah. Kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah so right. that's, that's what i'm going for it's, yeah it sounds amazing um have you do you paint with <laughs> acrylics on those or do you yeah, I use acrylic, and then if I know if it's going to be uh, an outdoor, if it's going to go outdoor, because um, we live in a house that's kind of indoor-outdoor, so I use some latex paint sometimes. Mm. Have you ever tried uh, oils? I have never tried. You I should... actually signed up for a class with you for oil painting. It was had to be a couple of years ago. I never took it. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I think, I don't know what happened. Uh, I think... I think our schedule, my schedule didn't, uh, but I was all excited about doing it because I had never worked with oils. And, and I thought if anyone was, can, can teach me oil painting, it would be you. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> oils are amazing. I'm just thinking on, on porcelain. I bet you they would be really cool because you can use these, you know, they have transparent paints, just like acrylic, but you can use mediums to thin it down. And uh, Well, I have used um, an oil paint that's, heat uh sensitive. oh yeah yeah i've seen that so you would paint it on the porcelain or the vinyl or whatever and then you bake it mm -hmm. for, um, you know whatever amount of time that's okay i like to do that when i work with vinyl mm -hmm. because it it sets the stage it doesn't and any acrylic will peel off vinyl right, so right. if you put um this heat set oil paint on the vinyl bake it in it makes a great um base for any acrylic painting or any kind of paint on top of it wow wow yeah you, you know you can the thing about that's cool about oils is you can put dryers in them like little uh mediums that make it dry overnight if drying is yeah. an issue I, I i think you should try it because it's really cool um just the idea of porcelain being this kind of translucent that's what's so beautiful mm -hmm. about porcelain it kind of is a translucency and then oils are just so, they just stick to anything. And they also, you can, you can fuzz them out. You can do the super soft blending. You could take yeah, them out. We talk about that when we get off air, because I, I totally be interested in yeah. how you think about it. And, you know. Yeah. I loved your, the finishing of your work too. Just all the, you know, the aging and just, it's amazing. Oh, <laughs> 
acrylic ink is like my new favorite amber amber i love finishing just because of that that sepia tone that that is really wonderful especially on fabric right right yeah well we're at about an hour so i guess we can wrap it up yeah i know it's great right isn't it fun it is fun thank you so i have um a closing poem oh to uh, any of our listeners that are creative and are creating um work Mm. (laughs) and uh it's it goes like this it's um when you create from the heart you inevitably start work that is not always accepted but you must do your part for the voice of the art is where you and the gods are connected. That's excellent. <laughs> it's per- that's the that's the dark art poem <laughs> specifically. <laughs> I, I bet you everybody who listens to this podcast is going to go, "Yep, I can relate to that." It's amazing. Yeah. Well, what a great way to end the show. Oh, well, thank you again for having me and talking with me and sharing your space with this spacesuit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was a great having you on. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time because, you know, I, I can go on and on about your work, but uh, I just think it's amazing and incredible. So it was an honor to interview you on here. And I know the uh, the audience is going to love it if they're not familiar with your work already. Uh, what's your website? We'll put a link in everything, but but just... It's uh, stephanievega.com. Okay. Stephanie with F. Yeah, Stephanie with an F. S-E-F-A-N-I-E Vega, V-E-G-A dot com. Yeah, and you can see all of her stuff on there, and uh, we'll have links and everything. And you can see her in the Roadside Attractions show at Copro in a couple weeks that I have. uh, I just finished my – I made a mermaid for it, my first mermaid. It came out pretty cool. But, yeah, it's going to be cool showing with you there, and um, I'll be there. So hopefully anyone in the area can come out and see the show. Please. And thanks for being on, and I want to say thanks to everyone who's listening. And if you can uh, give us likes and shares and all of that stuff, it'll help spread the word of the Dark Art Society and expose more people to great artists like Stephanie and... um, so yeah thanks so much you also there's our dark art society patreon if you're not supporting that's a way you can support the whole movement and i have my patreon and mike's got his patreon and blah 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 blah. so thank you all for listening and thank you stephanie for being on the show thank you all right goodbye everybody bye